0: We are deep into the high holiday season, and this week we have one more special holiday episode before we return to our regular weekly discussion on the Parsha, the Torah portion that Jews read and study every week. We've already celebrated Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year, and Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, and now we're about to celebrate Sukkot, the Festival of Tabernacles, which begins on Monday night. On today's episode, we're going to take a deep dive into this biblical holiday, which is celebrated by Jews every year. We'll discover how living in small booths for a week, just as the Bible prescribes, teaches us what real happiness is and how we can find it. Sukkot is one of my favorite holidays. And after today's podcast, I think that you will understand why. Sukkot is mentioned in the Bible a few times, and each time we learn something new about the character of the holiday. Today, I want to start with Deuteronomy 16, which mentions the three pilgrim holidays, Passover, the Festival of Weeks, and the Festival of Tabernacles, Sukkot. I'll read verses 13 through 15 now. Celebrate the Festival of Tabernacles for seven days after you have gathered the produce of your threshing floor and your wine press. Be joyful at your festival. You, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, and the Levites, the foreigners, the fatherless, and the widows who live in your towns. For seven days celebrate the festival to the Lord your God at the place the Lord will choose. For the Lord your God will bless you in all your harvest and in all the work of your hands, and your joy will be complete." These verses tell us that the Sukkot holiday is a joyful seven-day holiday that takes place during the harvest season. The rabbis noted that the theme of joy is emphasized more with Sukkot than with any other holiday. It is the only place where there is an actual directive to be joyful. For this reason, Sukkot is also referred to by another name. It's called Zman simchateinu, the time of our joy. But the question is, why? Why is this holiday any more joyful than Passover, which celebrates God's miraculous salvation? Or the festival of weeks, when the Israelites joyfully presented their first fruits to God? One answer is because Sukkot takes place during the harvest season. It was a time when farmers reaped the fruits of their labor, and the storehouses were full for winter. It was the most joyful time of the year. In this way, Sukkot is the original Thanksgiving holiday. Not all that different than the one I grew up celebrating in America. It's a time to appreciate God's bountiful blessings, to notice all of the gifts that God has given us, and to be joyful. Like Thanksgiving, we still celebrate Sukkot by gathering with family and friends and enjoying great food together. But the similarities between Sukkot and Thanksgiving stop there. Instead of celebrating our blessings inside our homes, surrounded by the things that bring us joy and comfort, God tells us to go outside, to leave the comfort of our homes, and to live in a flimsy hut called a sukkah for an entire week. Listen to how the Feast of Tabernacles is described in Leviticus 23, verses 41 to 43. Celebrate this as a festival to the Lord for seven days each year. This is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. Celebrate it in the seventh month. Live in temporary shelters for seven days. All native-born Israelites are to live in such shelters so your descendants will know that I had the Israelites live in temporary shelters when I brought them out of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. These verses direct us to live in temporary shelters called a sukkah for seven days. On sukkot, we are instructed to leave behind the comfort of our houses and live in a sukkah, a makeshift hut, like the ones that the Israelites had in the desert. But if the joy of sukkot about appreciating our God-given blessings, why don't we stay inside where we can actually enjoy them? The answer is because God wants us to get joy from our material blessings, but he doesn't want us to mistake them for the true source of joy. Our material possessions can make us happy for a moment, but they can never provide us with a real and lasting joy. This reminds me of a powerful story about a search for true happiness. There was once a king who was very sick. After all the doctors failed to cure him, one healer offered the following remedy. If the king would put on the shirt of a person who is absolutely happy, then the king would be healed. Immediately, riders were dispatched all over the country to look for a truly happy person and bring his shirt back to the king. First, they went to the richest person in the country and they asked him, "'Are you happy?' The rich man answered, "'Of course, I'm the richest person in the country.' The messengers pressed him and asked, "'But are you absolutely happy?' The rich man thought and replied, "'Absolute is a difficult term.' How can I be absolutely happy? I always have to protect my position. For example, there's a businessman in the North whose businesses are thriving, and I'm worried about the possibility of competition. And I've had a setback or two recently. And he started going on about things that he was worried about. The messengers left the rich man very disappointed. They saw that despite his wealth, he did not know what true happiness was. They went from one person to another, hoping to find a truly happy person. But not one person that they encountered, no matter how wealthy or successful or beautiful, was absolutely happy. Beneath the surface, everyone was burdened by worries and concerns. Eventually, the king's messengers gave up and decided to go home. It seemed that there was no one who was absolutely happy. But on their way home, shortly before they reached the palace, they heard a joyous melody. Someone was singing freely, and they sensed that he was truly happy. They turned their horses in the direction of the song and found a man singing with a huge smile on his face. Are you happy? They asked him. I am the happiest person in the world, he answered. But are you absolutely happy, they asked him. The man confidently said, yes, I am absolutely happy. Wow, the messengers were ecstatic. They have found an absolutely happy person. And they said to the man, sir, we need your shirt. The king is sick, but the healer said, if he puts on the shirt of a happy man, he will be healed. Lend us your shirt and you will be greatly rewarded. The man looked at them and replied, I would be happy to help and I don't need a reward. But there's just one problem. I do not own a shirt. As this story makes clear, all of the material possessions and comforts in the world cannot guarantee happiness, but someone can have nothing at all, not even a shirt, and still be absolutely happy. The irony is that we cling to material things, thinking that they will make us happy, when the truth is that those very things can actually keep us from joy and bring us more worry and more suffering. On Sukkot, God tells us to leave behind our homes and our material possessions and to live in a sukkah, which is far less comfortable because that's where we can find real and lasting joy. Happiness is found outside of our comfort zone. And if we never step into the unknown, we might never find the joy that God has in store for us. Let me give you an example of something that happened in our home just a few months ago. This year, we decided to send our 2nd oldest child, Liam, to a sleepaway camp here in Israel for the very first time. Liam was so excited, and for months it was all he could talk about. He couldn't wait to meet new friends, try new things, have some independence. But suddenly, a week before camp, Liam announced that he was definitely not going to camp. My husband, Amichai, and I, we were totally shocked. Liam had been so excited, and out of all of our children, he is the most relaxed, go-with-the-flow type of child. He wasn't worried at all about going to sleepaway camp for the first time. But then, a week before, the reality of being away from us for a few weeks set in, and he panicked. He simply panicked. He said very, very confidently, he is not going to sleepaway camp. We said everything we could to encourage Liam to assure him that it would be okay, but he wouldn't change his mind. He preferred to stay home and do absolutely nothing than to simply try out sleep camp. We were persistent and told Liam that while we understood his concerns, he was going to camp. Later that night, my husband said to me, maybe we shouldn't make him go. Why should we force him to go to do something that's supposed to be fun if he doesn't want to? I thought about it and I understood what Amicha was saying because I definitely had that part inside of me too. But I really felt confident that if we let Liam back out now, he'd be missing out on more than just a great summer. He'd be missing out on an important lesson for life that sometimes you have to overcome your fear and step out of your comfort zone in order to do something wonderful, in order to experience new happiness. In the end, Liam went to camp, and he even gave me a kiss goodbye. And guess what? He had the best summer of his life. Life. He came home raging about the friends that he made and the sports that they played and his counselor and how much fun it was. And it was all because he stepped out of his comfort zone. He thanked us, his parents, for encouraging and kind of making him step out of that comfort zone so that he could experience happiness. Sukkot is called the time of joy because it celebrates the joy that is possible when we leave the known for the unknown, what is certain for what is uncertain. Can you relate to this? Is there something that you hesitated to do because it was uncomfortable, but then you did it anyways and were so happy that you did? Or do you regret not doing something because at the time it felt too risky? Maybe you still wonder what would have happened if you took that risk and stepped out into the unknown. When the Israelites left Egypt, they had to step into the unknown. But according to Jewish tradition, four-fifths of them did not even leave Egypt. They were too afraid to take that risk. As bad as Egypt was for them, it was still their comfort zone, what they were familiar with, and what they trusted. They were in slavery, yet they were unwilling to leave it. Think about that. Only one-fifth of the Israelites were willing to leave slavery to follow God into the wilderness. And because they were willing to leave their comfort zone, They found joy and purpose as God's chosen people. On Sukkot, we reenact what the Israelites did. We leave the comforts of our homes and step into our flimsy sukkahs, our flimsy huts that represent the huts of the Israelites that they lived in all of those years in the desert that they followed God through the wilderness. And we remember that if we want to receive all of the joy that God has in store for us, we have to be willing to follow him wherever he leads us even if it's uncomfortable. Sukkot celebrates the joy that lies beyond our comfort zone, but it isn't just about the opportunities that are available to us when we step into the unknown. It's also about the relationship that we develop with God by being outside of our comfort zone. When we go through uncertain times, we have nothing and no one to depend on except for God you ever feel that way? Well, it's very similar, just like the Israelites in the desert. And as a result, just like the Israelites in the desert, we too can use this experience to grow extremely close to him. The sukkah represents the huts that the Israelites lived in, and according to Jewish tradition, it also represents the clouds of glory that surrounded the Israelites and protected them at all times while they were in the desert. Either way, the sukkah represents God's providence and his constant loving presence in our lives, protecting us. There is something about the sukkah, that enables us to feel God's presence and his incredible love for us. Have you ever been inside a sukkah? Let me describe to you what it looks like. The walls have to be temporary, but they can be made out of anything. So some people use wood while other people use fabric. I live in a warm part of Israel. So in my sukkah, we use very colorful, lightweight fabric that lets the air in. The roof, if you can even call it that, has a special name. It's called schach. And according to Jewish law, it has to come from a natural source. And so most people use either palm fronds or bamboo. The law specifies that there has to be enough schach to provide shade from the sun, but it also has to be that you can see the stars in the sky. Living in the sukkah for seven days, eating all your meals there, sleeping there, hanging out in the sukkah, brings out two feelings. The first feeling is the feeling of being a bit uncomfortable and feeling extremely vulnerable. We are exposed to the elements, so it might be very hot or extremely cold, and it might even rain. And remember, we don't have the security of a strong door with the lock We don't even have the comfort of the beds we have in our home. But feeling vulnerable and uncomfortable is what gives way to the second feeling that we experience in the sukkah. The feeling of being loved and being protected by God. When we are in the comfort and security of our permanent homes, we don't have to look to God for protection it's easy to forget that it's not our sturdy roof or our alarm system that keeps us safe, that it's really God. But when you are in the sukkah, feeling exposed and vulnerable, you look up to the sky, you see those stars, and you remember that God loves you and will protect you. Just like the Kavod, the cloud of glory that he sent for the Israelites in the desert. You know that feeling of being out at night in a remote area and looking up at the starry sky and feeling God's presence in a way that you just don't feel when you're at home in a city? That's the feeling of being inside a sukkah. It's the feeling that God is so big and we are so small and that his love for us is so great that we don't have to worry about anything. Actually, the rabbis compared being in a sukkah to being in God's embrace. The walls are like God's arms hugging us, loving us, and protecting us. I'm the kind of person that checks to see that my front door is locked about 20 times a night. But when I lay down at night with my family in our sukkah, looking up at the stars, I feel completely protected and cared for. And that's the real joy of Sukkot. Outside our comfort zone, we recognize that we are exposed and vulnerable, but also infinitely loved and protected. We feel an incredible closeness to God, and there is no greater joy than that. In Genesis 12, God told Abraham to leave behind everything he knew and to follow him to a place he did not know. God promised to bless Abraham greatly if he would do so. In the same way, God will bless us if we are willing to leave behind what we know and follow him into the unknown. This week, see if you can step out of your comfort zone. Can you challenge yourself to be a better version of yourself? Maybe more patient, less angry, or kinder than usual. Can you do something to help another person that is outside of your comfort zone? Something that requires you to be friendlier or more generous? Or maybe it's time for you to make a decision to do something that you know you should do, but you've been hesitant to commit to. It might be difficult or even scary at first, but in the end, going beyond what is comfortable can bring you real and lasting joy. And if you grow closer to God in the process, you will experience the greatest joy of all. Shavuot Tov, my friends. Have a wonderful week from here in the Holy Land. Thank you for listening to the Nourish Your Biblical Roots podcast. If you like what you have heard, visit me at mybiblicalroots.org for more of my teachings, videos, blogs, and books. You can also follow me on Instagram at yael underscore Eckstein or on Facebook at yael Eckstein. Shalom and see you next week.